You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's scripture reading is taken from Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. If you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along, there's a Bible in the, the rack in the pew in front of you. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, brother. If you don't know, um, John, he's one of the elders here at our church, and I encourage you to get to know him. Um, he is not as intimidating as his voice sounds, um, but he's a wonderful brother for sure. I want to pray, spend, the, spend a few minutes praying and asking the Lord to open our hearts and our eyes to see um, this text, even though we're not doing a deep dive into the text, but we're doing sort of a, a flyover with a little parachute down, grabbing some stuff, coming back up with some more flyover. Uh, we're going to get back to our um, sort of verse-by-verse expository preaching in the book of Luke next week, um, but we have some stuff to do today that I'm really excited about. So let's go to the Lord now and um, ask for his help. God, I don't know why I sometimes get over or move past the simplest of truths that you gave. Anything. We don't don't deserve anything, Lord. We don't deserve teachers. We don't deserve messengers. We don't deserve evangelists. We don't deserve any good gift from you, Lord. We only have earned the wages that our sin has earned, and yet you still, by your grace, have chosen a plan for us, for our joy, for our health, for our growth. And I ask, Lord, that you convince us so much of how good your plan is and that you continue to stun us over and over again with how beautiful the church is, not because of the personalities in it, but because of the bridegroom to whom we're saved. Teach us, O Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to add also, I am... I'm overwhelmed and thankful for those who have recently come in and have become part of our 
our fellowship as covenant members, it is a lot um, that you're committing to. Um, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know there was a lot. Um, just, just to be trusting enough, just to put yourself into the group, into the shepherding flock with other people, uh, it, that alone is a change that can try you and, and, and sort of stress you out. And so for all of you who have joined, who've come a part of this, I hope and, and pray, and I believe so, that it's been a decision of great joy for you. Um, we invite you to join all the other um, little wicks that leave this place every Sunday. And by the time Saturday night comes, or like our wicks getting down, it feels like, and we just come back together to what hopefully as a congregation is this holy bonfire where we could just kind of get relit and go back out. And, and, uh, and so thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of our congregation, our imperfect uh, congregation. So thank you and glad that you're here. Today we are concluding this little mini-series that we have begun a few weeks ago that we've called The Beautiful Church. This was a season that we just sort of needed to push a pause button on where, what we were doing with our encounters with Jesus and, and um, cast a little vision, explain a few things. And, and in this time, we've looked at the privilege and the calling of beautiful service. We got to highlight sort of the role of deacons and ministers and, and the people that Jesus chose and how he has chosen people and sort of the calling of that. We focused on the importance of community, specifically that a Christ-centered community is a community where there are people who understand that we were saved both to Christ and saved to one another. Um, we looked at Romans 12 on that day, and we talked about how a, a, a response to what Christ has done for us, what God has done for us, is to give of ourselves back to him and watch our lives become transformed and our minds renewed as we help one another. And that's really where we're leading up to today. But last week we talked about uh, sort of the plan that God has for us as saved community, uh, the calling that we have as a beautiful church, not just to care for one another, but also to go and to proclaim and to teach. We see all throughout the book of Acts, those three things repeatedly being done by the people who were believing. They were going, they were proclaiming, they were teaching. And David shared uh, just a little bit about the possibility of us uh, doing some mission or some work of going and proclaiming and teaching in Somaliland. And he also shared a little bit of the possibility of us planting a church uh, soon. And so... Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but last week uh, uh, I sat right over there and I was just emotional hearing because, again, I know that y'all don't know all that's been going on in meetings and prayer times and when I'm in here and uh, by myself praying for this time, when we're in staff meeting praying, elders praying, uh, but just when I was listening uh, with you to the unfolding plan that David was talking about, how he was using the uh, looking at the book of Acts and unfolding and I knowing where he's about to present, I just I just told my wife, man, these allergies are getting to me. I just gotta gotta move forward. But anyway, thank you, David, for casting that vision, and um, I could not be more excited 
uh, please come to the town hall meeting. We want to. We really want to clarify some things uh, that are important. Uh, but we see God's grace all in this, and it's beautiful and it's great. So we come to this text, and today we're going to finish off uh, using this text, coming to this text, looking at the beautiful church as the bride of Christ, and how we are to grow together. In this text, we see both God's desire and we see God's plan for His people. His called out ones, his ecclesia. Remember that word? We looked at it a few weeks ago where he has called us out to be a part of his kingdom work to go and be a part of like agents and ambassadors in his kingdom work. And in this text, we see both his desire and his plan. Let's look at both of them briefly today. So let's first look and we see in this text his desire and his desire is this, a beautiful growing follower of Christ. A beautiful, growing, developing follower of Christ. We notice that his desire is that we are individually saved by the grace of God and that we grow with others in the grace of God. I want us to actually start with verse 7 that wasn't read by John. Just a few verses up, we notice this passage. But grace was given to each one of us. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's writing to a group of people. They are hearing this letter as a group of people. But he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is something beautiful. We see that individuals are saved by the grace of God. We shouldn't look past the individuality of this, that if you are saved, it means that you are individually saved. Not because you belong to a certain family, not because you've grown up attending a congregation week after week, week after week, most of your life, not because you attended a big vacation Bible school at one time. No, individually, no matter your race, no matter your family, no matter your period and time in which you've lived, you have been individually sought out by God. But grace was given to each one. This is important to remember because what we're about to get into is a lot of group stuff. But individually, you will come to the table and you will take of the bread and you will individually take of the cup because individually, grace was given to you. It's beautiful. Grace was given to each one. We need that grace. Each one of us needs that grace. His desire is for us individually to grow the healthy followers of Christ. And then we come to verse 13 and we see his plans for us. Even more, so we've got verse 7, then we skip down to verse 13. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There is a lot of things there. We're not going to get to dive into all of it, but listen to his plans for you as an individual. That you be saved by grace that you grow in unity of your faith, that your faith be growing, that it be developing. 
that you grow to the knowledge of Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, do you have the same knowledge of Jesus Christ that you did when you went to that camp in the eighth grade? It's not God's plan for you to keep drinking the same level of milk that you were drinking when you were in seventh grade. His plan is for your faith to grow. Your faith will grow as your knowledge of Christ will grow. We see that as your faith grows, as your knowledge of Jesus grows, we see that his plan is for your spiritual maturity. Knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Are you growing in spiritual maturity in your life? Do you see, do you see, the, here's one way, just one way, and this is, this could start to sound a little legalistic, but it's not legalistic. It's actually measuring growth in our life. Do you see that you are sinning less with a familiar temptation than you were a year ago? Do you see progress in your spiritual journey where you get the same temptation that seems to be coming, all of a sudden now you're sinning a little less or maybe hopefully a lot less as a 50-year-old than you were as a 20-year-old or as a 40-year-old? Do you see progress in your spiritual growth? Do you see, is there more of a hunger and a fire, not just for your own growth, but for the things that God is doing across the world? This is part of maturing as a follower of Christ. And then we see if attaining to unity of the faith with others is if the knowledge of the Son of God isn't enough, is, if mature manhood isn't enough, we see in verse 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you have been saved, if each one individually been given a measure of grace to come to Christ, you that means you, your heart has been given over to him and you are choosing to follow him. What this looks like is his desire for you and for I, for me, is for us to become more and more like Christ. Very clearly, very simple, God's plan for you is Christ's likeness. Do you see that in your life? Are you, are you noticing it? I love that we see in verse 7, but grace was given to each one. And then in verse 13, we see the plan and his desires that that grace doesn't stop there. God's desire is to pour out his effectual grace to save you, and his desire is to continue to pour out his continual grace to grow you. It wasn't just a one time you're saved, done, here's your baptism at the creek, good job, we got it on film, we got the testimony, there you go, fire insurance in your pocket. No, it is God's grace that comes to you to even open your eyes and awaken your dead soul to say, oh wow, Jesus is good. And then it's God's continual grace to keep you linked and to keep you growing. It's all something every Sunday. When you hear anybody next to you sing anything good, we should be going, wow, you don't deserve to be singing. Actually, don't do that. Like, I don't deserve to be singing that. God's grace individually given to us. His desire is to save you. His desire is to grow you. 
Are you saved by God's grace? Do you know that you're saved by God's grace? If you don't know that you're saved by God's grace, you don't have to leave here wondering about that. There are people ready to talk to you. We'd love to help you understand what God has done in sending of his son to take care of the penalty of sin that you deserve, but instead was put on him for your eternal life. That's grace that saves. Are you growing? Not only are you saved, but are you growing by the grace of God today? We see his desire in this text, but we also notice that he's got a specific plan for this text. In verse 11, look with me, 11 and 12. And he gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. God gave some to these specific roles of equipping for the individually saved people that, did you notice it here, that are called saints that have moved from the title of enemy, of foreigner, to now saint. This name change is amazing. These saints need equipping. These saints, we think sometimes in our culture, the way they define saints, the saints are the untouchable. The saints are the ones that don't need equipping. The saints are the ones who are like other world, like we can't touch them. We're not, no, this says the saints are the ones that need equipping to equip the saints. This sounds like a specific plan for a specific people. And I want us to just sort of settle here just for a little bit. I want us to notice this amazing plan for the body of Christ that we all grow together. He doesn't just want to have the type of body that you see if you go to some of those big muscle gyms, you know? You know, those guys that, you know, they wear sweatpants, they got no shirt on. And man, from the waist up, there's like, I don't even know people could have that many abs or that many shoulders or that many neck muscles. And they're just like, you know, just exploding. But their legs are like birds. <laughs> you ever heard of the expression, we don't miss leg day? Leg day is a hard day. Leg day is the day that People don't like because it's not always that glamorous. Uh, I, I remember when I was little, my, my dad, um, he saw how little I was and he saw how much I love football. So he made me read Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, biography on how he became Mr. Universe. And uh, one thing that really stuck out, I mean, as you can tell, I've, I've really taken it to heart. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me as an eighth grader all the way back then was Arnold made a decision when he got into this, that he was going to concentrate on something that he saw that was deficient in all the contestants who were the, the, Olymp, the Mr. Olympia and all that, uh, Mr. Uh, Universe, and all that stuff. And he said, I'm going to concentrate on my calves. I'm going to go hard on my calves. He turned his calves into cows. Like, he worked hard. Like, the story, the stories of, of Arnold was that he would ride his bike on leg day 
to work out and he couldn't ride his bike home. He had to like walk and he was wobbly. Nobody likes leg day because it's hard. It makes you a little nauseous sometimes. You're having to do things and it, it makes you unsteady. But leg day is important so that you will be steady. Where am I going with all this? God doesn't miss any part of the church. Every part of the church is working. He doesn't miss this or that, even though this might look a little glamorous and this might know everybody is involved in working and making sure the entire body is developed and built up. His plan is that we grow together. So he provides these instruments. We see some of those instruments right here in verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We're not doing a deep dive into these, but if you remember where we were in Romans 12 a few weeks ago, he gave a few lists of people there, assignments there, that these people are given as instruments to help the body of Christ grow. These instruments have important jobs to do. Each saint has been gifted by God's grace. And so each saint needs equipping. Paul actually refers to his gifts that was given to him in chapter 3. If you can turn there in chapter 3, verse 2, we're going to look at verse 2 and then skip over to verse 8. But I'll just read it real briefly. It says, he writes in chapter 3 of Ephesians. You have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Did you catch that? God's grace specifically given to him individually for the Ephesian church, for them. Though I am the very least of all the saints, though I am like the calf muscle of the body, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring delight for everyone What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the whole body, through the church. Who is all of this to be made known to? Paul goes on. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers, the authorities, in the heavenly places. That sounds like a healthy, vibrant body that can, a man who could say, I am the least of these, have the courage to say, but God's given me grace to equip you to go to the biggest of these. The least of these saying that we are now supposed to to speak wisdom, the wisdom of God to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is no ordinary grace. This is saving grace. This is continual grace to grow one another. We should spend more time in our church, and we will, we're getting there, equipping one another, helping one another discover and identify how God has blessed us and gifted us, and we're going to get to a little bit of how we're going to do that in just a minute. 
But right now we see these roles specifically for these purposes to equip the saints, to, for the saints to go do this work. But how are they doing it? Look with me in verse 15 and 16. Speaking the truth in love, we, we are to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. One very clear practical way that saints are to be equipped is they are to be given the truth. And then the saints are to go speak the truth. So these gifted, these instruments, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers are to teach the truth, speak the truth. The saints are supposed to absorb the truth and take the truth. What does this look like? This means that we take God seriously. He's the one with the truth. We must take him seriously. To take him seriously means that we take all of our rebellion against him seriously. We don't hide it. We don't shy away from it. We present it as this is rebellion against God. This is what speaking truth looks like. Then, when we see and know the seriousness of God and we understand the seriousness of our rebellion against God, then we can see the seriousness of the cross and the gift, the amazing gift of Jesus Christ as the most beautiful gift ever given. We speak the truth, the truth of a serious God, of serious sin, and serious salvation through Christ. But we speak the truth, as it goes on to say, in love. Though we take God seriously, we ought not to take ourselves so seriously. Say, Jason, I don't know about that. Well, let me remind you of what we read in Romans few weeks ago, Paul writes to them in Romans 12, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, again, just to remind you, this is right after him joyfully expressing the serious God and the serious knowledge of God and the serious salvation of God. And so he comes to chapter 12, verse 1, where he writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy uh, and acceptable sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now check this out. Now that's all serious. It sounds like, okay. I give my life. I'm, 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 I'm this. And I'm personal, individual grace. I'm giving it over to him. I'm going to trust him. For by the grace, verse 3, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We want to speak the truth. We want to speak the truth in love. This means that when we approach conflict, when we approach issues in the church, we take God seriously. We take sin seriously. We take the cross and salvation seriously. But do we really need to always take ourselves so seriously? That person looked at me wrong. That person sat in my seat. That person makes the temperature too hot in the church. That person doesn't sing or song. Whatever it is that we like, you know what? I don't need to take this so seriously. I can tell you this. If you continue to make so much of your own personal preferences when it comes to coming into a congregation, you'll never, never be a part of expanding the kingdom. It, it requires almost a death to yourself. For the good of the body. We speak the truth. We do it in love. We love others with the truth. And we walk in, we live, we walk and we live in the grace of God. We go back to our Ephesians text. It says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him. And then down here it says in verse 16, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. What does that mean? Well, let go of sin. Let go of sinful patterns. Let go of any cultural allegiances that steer you away from your affections for the king of kings. Walk and live in the grace of God. This is what the body does for one another. It all comes together for the head, which is Christ. We help one another. We assist one another. We do it by speaking the truth. We do it by speaking the truth in love. And we do it by walking and following Christ well. How do we do it here at Grace? What does it look like here to help one another? Well, we don't have time to just unpack what each specific role uh, is. But right now we have elders. We have pastors. We have deacons. We have ministers. We have staff. Um, and we have volunteers. But here's where I'm going to move us to for resources to help you grow. I don't know if you know this, but we have this booklet called Growing Together. Um, all you have to do is memorize this within a week, and then you're on path to helping one another. No, this is really a, a just a resource. It's all it is um, that might help you um, with patterns in your life and habits in your life. It has a reading plan in there to read the scriptures all the way through in the year. It has a, 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 our life verses that we have selected, prayerfully selected to memorize. We have life verses for each week. And we just started back up a podcast that uh, midweek on Wednesday, uh, the podcast is available. And that podcast is simply there to help you get into the life verse and apply the memory verse, the life verse that you're memorizing as a church. You can talk about it with your kids. It's about 12 to 18 minutes every week. You can put it on fast forward and, and listen to it. It's just 
two of the staff members talking about how we're applying the life verse to our lives that week, okay? So very helpful tool, but you'll see the life verses in here. The, we have resources in there that we encourage you to read, um, but take that booklet. It's back there. It's going to be in the back. If you, they're not there, just call us, and we'll make sure you get it. Um, but we also have groups. If you're relying on your attendance on Sunday morning, hearing one person preach week after week after week, you are missing out on body growth. You're missing leg day. So I want to encourage you. We have Bible study groups that meet on Sunday, on Monday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. I want to encourage you to learn more about them on our website, to plug in if you can. We have community groups that we're relaunching today that you are all invited to be a part of. In these groups, like I've said before, these are groups in which we talk out, sort of discuss with one another what's going on in our lives, how to apply the sermon to our lives. We, we show up at our groups and there's a discussion guide there where we pray for one another and we walk with each other in application of God's word. And it's within these groups that we watch certain gifts that God has given to individuals sort of spring up. Somebody's got a gift of this and a gift of this and a gift of this. And it's, it's worked out in the group and it's seen in the group and it's celebrated and it's used within the group. We are excited. And I just want to present to you these community group leaders. We have 17 now. There was a day just a few years ago, we had five. Um, so when I call your name, just stand up. And the reason why we're doing this, you're like, oh, my word. Do we clap? Do we not clap? What do we do? Um, uh, I just want you to see their faces. At the end of the service today, whenever I uh, give the benediction, I'm, I'm inviting all of the community group leaders to line up here in the, in the front. They're going to line up starting with the Sunday people. They're going to get to Monday people, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you can, if you even miss the face, but you know you're only available on Thursday, you know the Thursday group's gonna be like over here. Let me just go see who the Thursday group is. Um, we also have, with each person I call out, there's a map here. There are some changes we need to make on them, but, uh, but we notice that this is helpful for you. It's a map. We have groups that meet in Colleen, Temple, North Temple, all the way uh, down Lord willing, and Gerald, uh, we're still trying to get a place to, for the group in Gerald to start. But um, here's the groups. When I call your name, just stand up and stay standing, please. Okay? All right. Bill Armitage. Bill? Some of them aren't here. It's Labor Day. So there's Bill. Okay? He meets on Mondays, 5 o'clock, right here. I'm actually not going to give a description for every group. I'm just going to ask him. The Griffin, Betterton, Ellis group. I'll go ahead and stand up for those. Okay? It's more than just these three men, I promise. Uh, attached to these three men are wonderful wives. <laughs> so, like, ah, I don't know if I, I mean, no offense, uh, but no. No, wonderful guys, uh, but wonderful families uh, in the Belton area. Uh, Rob and Audrey Walter, that group Kelly and I go to, and they're not here. They're, they're away today. Uh, Chambers Sakely Group. I don't know who's, okay, I know this. Chambers are working with the kids. We have a women's group. Um, I think both of them are working with kids today, yeah. Um, the Hale and Wells group, okay, and the Wells, of course, meet with again. Casto Reynolds group, over here. Um, the Masao group, Palauan group, 
don't know if they're here today. Uh, Gardner Farkas. Okay, Farkas is out today. Um, the Joiner Group. Okay, Steed Group. Are Steeds here? They're Labor Day. Um, Jurassic Bernard Group. I think they're both gone. To, oh, okay. Kendall's here. Um, the Smith Group, Jonathan Michaela. Are they here today? Yeah, over here. Um, the Cheatham Group. I don't think they're here today. They're away. Uh, the Malmans and the Quicks. Okay, are right here. And we have the Flanagan Group. The Flanagan's out. To, oh, okay, he's right here. So, all right. So, we have leaders that are gone for Labor Day. Now we can applaud. This is amazing work. Um, I'm going to have a seat. Going to have a seat. Oh, did we miss the Hendricks group? Yeah, right there. I skipped over. Uh, they've only been doing it longer than anybody. So, <laughs> so go ahead and have a seat. Hendricks, y'all stay up. The rest of the service just stands since I did y'all this service. Uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so this is amazing work. These, these couples, these families, these individuals have volunteered their time uh, showing and wanting to give to you the gift of hospitality so that you can come into their home or come into this place and um, grow together with somebody. There's no reason why you can't connect with somebody. I want to encourage you to try them out for a month. Like, it's awkward, I know. But try it out. Say, ah, okay, this is more my, okay. And then go to, they, they're, they're okay with you trying them out and not coming back as long as you're going to another group. It's okay with big boy pants, you know. We want you to connect well with people that you feel like you can connect well. We are here for your growth. And we want this for you. So I encourage you to do that. At the end of the service, they're going to line up from Sunday times to Saturday times. And you can come meet them if you desire this. Why is all this important? We shouldn't miss this continual love and this continual grace of God that is designed for you. Look with me in verse 14. Remember verse 13? Talks about spiritual growth, maturity in Christ, being Christ-like. Verse 14. This is important so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Growing together is important so that you don't get away from the body, develop an infection and deteriorate in your faith. Most of the biblical counseling that I've done in my life, I don't care how old they are when they come in, almost every person, when we start to trace back to where this pattern of living, these habits started, it was usually right when they launched from the home as college students or as young adults in whatever capacity. And if you remember that age, that's usually the age where you think you've got it all figured out. I'm going to be me. I'm going to go myself. I'm going my own way. That's not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is for you individually to be saved by grace and for you in a group to grow in grace for your good, for your joy. 
I have noticed in my life that people have left the church. They've canceled the church. They disqualify the church. It could be that people never spoke truth to them. It could be that they spoke truth, but they didn't speak truth in love. It could be that the leaders or the people who led the groups or, or whatever didn't walk like Christ, so they didn't really have anybody to follow. Well, here at Grace, we want to take God seriously without really taking ourselves all that seriously. And we want to help one another grow. We are not a perfect church, but we are saved by grace. We are not a perfect church, but by grace, we belong to God's royal family. We are not a perfect church, but by grace, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are not a perfect church, but by his grace, we are declared righteous by his blood spilled for us on the cross. We are not a perfect church, but by his grace, we are growing together and we are saints because of his work on the cross to declare us so. We all need equipping. Every month we come to the table of communion and we do this so that we can always be reminded of what Christ has done for us so that we never move past that the only reason I am declared righteous is because of his blood. And so when we drink of the cup, we are, we are testifying, I need the washing of his blood. When we take the bread, we are saying we are not our own, that we belong to him, to his flesh. He gave it to us, and we are a part of his body. It represents him giving his body for us, and we gladly take the bread and the cup to say, it is our joy to be a part of your growing body of Christ. So if you're new here, the way we do this is in a minute, after I pray, um, just whenever you feel led, we have a table back there, table back there, and then three up here. You just come up and take the cup, and you'll go, and you'll sit down in your place, and, and uh, awkwardly, there's two things to peel back. The first is the bread represents the body of Christ. The second is the blood. And, and if you're, and, and just to be warned in love, before you take the cup, perhaps before you even come to the table, you just pause and reflect and just ask the Spirit to reveal to you any sin in your life that's unconfessed, any relationship in this room that you need to make right. And then with a free heart, an imperfect heart, you come up and behold the wonderful gift of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly God, we love you. We thank you for giving. You are a giving God. I, I cannot outgive you. In fact, the only thing I have to give you is this life, this body of mine. But it is a glad surrender and gift to you because you know how to help me. You know how to grow me. You know how to stretch me. And, and God, you never miss leg day in my life. You always will work and concentrate on the places in my, my growth that I need it the most. And 
you will always be committed to your church to grow us. We thank you for your desire to save us and we thank you for your desire to grow us. May we be a church that lives for you, that aspires to live like you, Jesus Christ, in all that we do. We love you, in Jesus' name.